And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond. You may remember he was on with us recently, and he's back. Peter, it's an honor to have you on with us. It's a great privilege to be with you. Thank you, Dan. I'm on your mailing list, and you mailed out something recently about the Reformation. And, you know, uh, here in America, you don't hear that much about the Reformation anymore. You hear about Halloween, and people have these kind of bizarre displays in their front yard sometimes. And uh, I'm really interested in the Reformation. So, Peter, maybe you could get us started. Tell us a little bit about the Reformation, if you would, please. Yes. Um, in fact, I've spoken to quite a few Christian schools recently and said, what is 31 October? And immediately get a whole chorus shouting out, Halloween. <laughs> well, that wasn't what I had in mind. I was thinking Reformation Day. And uh, I think it's... Uh, example of the big battle going on in the church today between Halloween occultism and back to the Bible Reformation. Yes. 31 October, you see a clear split between the world that wants us to celebrate Halloween, which is basically dabbling in death and celebrating cruelty, or being involved in witchcraft, or Reformation, which is a back to the Bible Reformation and revival. Well, the Reformation is what we call the movement that started by Martin Luther back on 31 October 1517 when he nailed 95 theses, 95 arguments against the superstitions and unbiblical practices of the Roman Catholic Church. And so Martin Luther's bold stand of nailing these 95 arguments against superstitions and unbiblical practices nailed it to the church door at uh, Wittenberg at the Schlosskirche. And I've been to the church many a time and have sung a mighty fortress as our God in the church and taken a service in the Schlosskirche. We've proclaimed the gospel in the Wittenberg Town Square uh, on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation back in 2017. I've spent many days in Wittenberg uh, examining everything in Luther House, which is the largest uh, Reformation museum in the world, and the Schlosskirche, which is a tremendous historic masterpiece, and the Stadtkirche, uh, the, the city church where Martin Luther preached a lot too, and Melanchthon House and all the other places around Wittenberg related to Reformation. And the place still, you can just imagine Martin Luther walking down uh, the cobblestone streets <laughs> and all of the, uh, the the character of the town still is so much like it was in the Middle Ages. And it's, it's a magnificent heritage to remind us of our heritage. But I think many people don't realize how much we've got to be grateful to the Reformation for. First and foremost, the Reformation delivered the church from gross ignorance and spiritual darkness. And the church before the Reformation was a church without the Bible. And the church without the Bible is as useless as a lighthouse without a light and a candlestick without a candle or a motor vehicle without an engine. The priests and the people knew scarcely anything about God's word or the way of salvation in Christ. And one historian described it this way, the immense majority of the clergy did little more than say masses and offer up pretended sacrifices, repeat Latin prayers and chant Latin hymns, which most of the people didn't understand, hear confessions and grant absolutions, giving extreme unction and taking money to get dead people out of purgatory. And uh, quarterly sermons, that's one sermon every three months, was um, more common than not a Sunday went by without a mass being said, but uh, months could go by without a single sermon. You Mm. could go 20 Sundays in succession without a single sermon. And uh, when Bishop Hooper... 
um, who was later burned alive under Bloody Mary did a survey in 1551, he found that of the 311 clergy in his diocese, 168 could not repeat the Ten Commandments. 31 of the 168 couldn't say what parts of the Bible the Ten Commandments are to be found. 40 couldn't say where the Lord's Prayer was written, and 31 of the 40 didn't even know who the author of the Lord's Prayer was. Well, the, the Reformation gave the church back the Bible and delivered the church from childish superstitions and from blatant immorality, and the, the Reformation basically gave the church back the Bible. In 1519, six men and a woman were burned alive at Coventry for teaching their children the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed in English. Oh. Nothing seems to have alarmed and enraged the Catholic clergy as much as the spreading of Bibles in local language. And for the crime of translating the Bible into the English language, the reformer William Tyndale was burned at the stake. Mm. How many of our people realize that the author of the English Bible, the first one to translate into English, was burned alive and had wow. to smuggle these English Bibles into England? And the vast majority of those first English New Testaments uh, ever printed were gathered up and burned. There's only two that survived, and one William Tyndale New Testament was sold recently for over five million pounds. So, one of the most valuable books in, in the world. And of all the aspects which combined to make up the Reformation, no other aspect received more bitter opposition as the translation and circulation of the scriptures in the local languages. Because the translation of the Bible struck a blow at the root of the entire Roman Catholic medieval system. The Bible, as the only rule of faith and conduct freely available in local languages, was such a threat to the superstitions and abuses and corruptions of the Roman Catholic popery. And when the Bible came to every parish church, and every thoughtful man saw that the religion of the priests had no basis in Holy Scripture, the Reformation was entrenched. So the Reformation opened the road to the throne of grace and restored biblical simplicity to worship. In fact, I wonder how many people realize that before the Reformation, uh, people stood during services. There was no pews or benches before the Reformation. The Reformers brought pews and benches into churches, to encourage people to sit down, to take notes, and to open up the Bible and follow along um, in, in the message. So before the Reformation, there were no pews or benches. So if you like the idea of sitting down for church instead of standing the whole time, you can thank the Reformation. <laughs> if you like singing uh, hymns in your own language, you can thank the Reformation, because before the Reformation, all singing was done by a choir in Latin. Mm. So, if, And the focus of the worship service was the Mass, which was also Latin. And so congregational singing remains one of Martin Luther's most enduring legacies. Next to God's word, music deserves the highest praise, he wrote. I'm of the opinion that all the arts are not to be cast down and destroyed on account of the gospel, as some fanatics suggest. On the other hand, I would gladly see all arts, especially music, in the service of him who's given and created them. And so the very idea of having hymns in English or any of the local languages in a hymns in a church sung by the congregation, not by the choir alone, um, that is another fruit of the Reformation. And Martin Luther himself was a well-trained musician. He had a fine voice. He played the lute. He composed intricate hymns like A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he was well acquainted with the works of leading composers of his day. He's always loved music. In fact, Martin Luther said, I wouldn't consider a man to be a school teacher or to be a pastor if he is not skilled in music. <laughs> and if you cannot sing, you shouldn't be allowed to preach. And so he had a high view of music. 
the other thing that is striking for anyone who's looked at the Reformation is the idea that you could sing hymns in the congregation in your own language and Luther would frequently call the entire congregation to the church during the week for congregational rehearsals to learn new hymns. I mean, imagine that. The entire church is the <laughs> choir, effectively. Yeah. And uh, he composed the hymn that will live forever, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. The Reformation restored a biblical understanding of holiness. Before the Reformation, the idea was, if you're serious about God, you've got to become a priest or a nun and, and swear against marriage. And so... They believed monastic life and vows and celibacy was the only way to serve God. Whereas Martin Luther changed this and said, no, you serve God in every area of life. And he ordered um, a really a Protestant work ethic. And so the Reformation set people free to serve Christ because the Reformation found the church members steeped in ignorance and left them in possession of knowledge it found them without Bibles and left them with a Bible in every parish. The Reformation found congregations in darkness and left them in the light. They found them in fear and left them enjoying the liberty and peace which only Christ can give. The Reformation found congregations strangers to the blood of Christ's atonement, strangers to faith and grace and to holiness, and left them with a key to all these blessings in their hands. The Reformation found congregations blind and left them with spiritual eyes to see. It found them slaves to superstition and set them free to serve Christ. And therefore, there are so many blessings um, from scripture choruses, hymns, prayers and sermons in our own language. All of this came from the Reformation and pews for us to sit in and take notes in while we are going through our Reformation uh, services. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder and director of Frontline Fellowship and a friend of ours, although I've never met you in, in person, Peter. Maybe someday we will. Um, you're located in South Africa, in Cape Town, and um, you've been active in getting God's Word out. You've gone into places that are kind of dangerous, bringing Bibles, so you kind of put feet to your prayers you don't just talk about this stuff in your easy chair. Uh, you're out doing God's work. Um, what, would you, what would you tell a person? Suppose we came across a person today and they, they're not too familiar with the Bible. They've never really read it for themselves. And what kind of words of encouragement would you give to them? Well, yes, I find that all the time in Africa. I've been a missionary now. For over 40 years, especially working in restricted access areas and war-torn areas, I've been involved in eight wars, ministered in 38 countries, and throughout Africa as far north as Egypt and Sudan in the north, and as far west as Nigeria and all through the center, Congo, Mozambique, Angola, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, uh, Burundi. So in many of these countries, we find no Bibles and no people with Bibles. Right. And the hunger for Bibles is huge. When I've brought a Bible out and given people a Bible, I've sometimes seen people fall on their knees and cry and weep and uh. laugh and dance for joy. I've heard people say, Biblia, Biblia, um, which is the word for Bibles in Portuguese. And, and yeah. this is the greatest gift anyone could ever ask for, the Word of God in my own language. I've been praying day and night for five years for my own copy of the Word of God. And so I've seen people super excited to receive the Bible. They know that the Bible is the greatest book ever written. They, In many languages, it's the only book, uh, in fact, 
In, in most languages, the Bible was the first book. And in English, the first book ever printed was the Bible. In the world, the first book ever printed was uh, the Bible in Latin, the Gutenberg Bible. And uh, the Bible is the greatest book. It's the greatest textbook for education. It's the inspiration for the greatest architecture, uh, the greatest, uh, like the cathedrals, the greatest art, the greatest music, like Handel's Messiah. The Bible is the greatest in every way, and it's also the number one bestseller, the most read book in the world. When I'm ministering in Africa, people want the Bible, even if they've never had a Bible, uh, they've all heard about it and they want to have a copy. They know this is the greatest book and there's a great hunger. I distribute about 100 tons of Bibles and books every single year. Oh, my. Uh, on completely free, our Literature of Africa ministry, we, we receive tons of, of Bibles and books in container shipments. Uh, I'm expecting two container shipments to arrive in the next a month and a half, and that would be uh, 20 foot and 40 foot containers with 18 tons to up to 25 tons uh, at a time to offload by hand and to distribute. And people are coming to us. There's a continuous stream coming to our mission house. Chaplains, police, army, prison chaplains, teachers, missionaries, evangelists coming to get Bibles and books. And we keep getting requests from far and wide. Uh, I get correspondence from as far as Egypt requesting us uh, to mm. provide gospel literature. We just had orders for Arabic Bibles earlier this week. We were able to donate some Arabic Bibles to people who wanted we're doing Muslim evangelism nearby. We're helping with uh, Bible schools for people who are Arabic-speaking and Muslim North African restricted access areas. And the hunger is tremendous for the Word of God. The statistics from Operation World is that there are 600 million people who call themselves Christians in Africa right now. But more than 100 million don't even have a copy of the Bible or even a New Testament. And the number of Christians in Africa is set to double in the next 25 years. By 2050... It's anticipated if present trends continue, we'll have double amount of Christians we have now. 1.2 billion Christians are expected to be in Africa in just 25 years. Mm. But the challenge is most of the pastors in Africa have no Bible college training at all. And many of the Christians have no Bible. So our biggest needs Bibles and Bible teaching, which is what our mission tries to focus on, Bibles and Bible teaching. And this is another reason why we are promoting the Reformation to call people back to the Bible, because... Some churches have got superstitions and have been influenced by some unbiblical uh, name it, claim it, and frame it, prosperity cult things by uh, mm -hmm. Trinity Broadcasting Network and some of these TV networks where they learn more about gab it and grab it than what the scripture says, <laughs> uh, where they are trying to demand um, health and wealth and prosperity. Well, that's not at the heart of the gospel, and that's why calling the church back to Reformation is so important. I've written the books on... Um, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, summarizing every book in, in the Bible. I preached every book in the Bible and did summaries of them as chapters for these books, as textbooks for pastors. And we've been donating Old Testament surveys and New Testament survey books to pastors and Bible college students throughout Africa to try and get them back to the Bible. And I wrote the book, The Greatest Century of Reformation, uh, with 16 biographies of the 16 greatest reformers of the 16th century, with a whole lot of other chapters on on key doctrines and events and personalities of the Reformation. And we're using this as a textbook at schools and colleges in order to give a great hunger for the doctrines and the principles that God blessed back 500 years ago to launch the greatest movement of Reformation and revival ever, because we need a fresh Reformation today. We do, yes. Well, it's, um, this is very appropriate for us. Um, 
our our country, of course, you and I live in different countries. You you probably know about my own country better than I do, but you you're very informed. But we need desperately a a revival, and not only that, but a reformation, where we turn to Christ, the Word of God, and it has a ripple effect out into society. Uh, I, I feel it's not enough. It's not enough to just have a head knowledge, to just have some good feelings about God. Yes, uh, it's. we think of the thief on the cross and the importance of knowing Christ personally, but if you have time to live, and most of us do, it's important to live for him. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to be far from perfect, but when we fall, we can ask Christ to forgive us and um, to fill us again with his Holy Spirit. Um, I really like what you said earlier, Peter, that the Reformation gave us a biblical understanding of holiness and with an emphasis of serving God in every area of life. You know, some people, some pastors even, have this kind of a, I don't know how to put it, kind of a radical two-kingdom view where, you know, we're just stuck inside the four walls of the church and everything is all about the church, and I'm all for the church. I love the church. I mean, without it, we're stuck. But uh, it's got to get out into the world. It's got to affect the world like that leaven, picture of the leaven in the loaf and how that it pervades through all of the dough and it affects the entire world. And maybe you could comment about that a little bit. Yes, indeed. It's applying the Lordship of Christ to all areas of life. The Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them obedience to all things the Lord has commanded. And that's a lot of the work of Reformation, to teach obedience to everything the Lord has commanded. We summarize the Reformation often in the five solas, the five Latin phrases. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone is the ultimate authority. Sola Gracia, salvation is by the grace of God alone. Received by faith alone, sola fide. And solus Christus, Christ alone is the head of the church. He is the only mediator between God and man. And soli Dio Gloria, everything must be done for the glory of God alone. So those five battle cries in Latin, the five solas we call them, summarizes, encapsulates so much of what the scripture, uh, what the Reformation is about. And scripture alone being our ultimate authority is, of course, the foundation. You know, Peter, um, we were talking earlier, too, about the importance of reading scripture, reading the Bible. Um, some of our listeners are older and they're starting to have eye problems. And the print is too small. It's it's hard to read. So if they don't have a large print Bible, uh, what about using a program on your computer that brings up the Scripture and reading it that way? Yes, indeed. And we can choose. We can get the Bible in multiple different languages, my favorite being the New King James Version. But you can yeah. get virtually every translation online and, of course, at whatever size you need, and that's helpful. I'm still a hard copy person. I like the hard copies. And there are large print Bibles, and we we um, regularly have a great demand for them. And I was just reading hard print, hard, large print hard copy Bibles to pensioners in Fishhook uh, just yesterday. A lot of older people are really keen for it, and I've just got an invitation to go to an old age home to help the people with, with Bibles large enough for them to read and to do some church service amongst them. The opportunities are all around us. We need to get people back to the Bible, and probably the most influential, dramatic thing I ever did in my life was standing up during my military training back in 1979 when I first entered the South African Infantry, asked the chaplain at a Sunday service if I could speak, 
And I turned around and I faced the men and said, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. I want to honor him in my next two years here. Amen. If anyone else feels the same, please join me afterwards. Let's start a Bible study and a prayer fellowship. And we went through the whole Bible um, in our two years in the military. Every night we met for Bible study and prayer, and we worked our way through the scriptures, and we had prayer meetings, we had all-night prayer meetings, we had prayer chains, we had Bible studies in our different bungalows, and we were changed, and the people around us were changed as we got serious about studying God's Word and seeking to apply it on a daily basis. And if there's a Bible study group near you, join it. If there isn't one, start one. Mm. In your school, in your home, in your church, in your um, college or workplace, we should have a Bible study and prayer fellowship wherever we are. And uh, either join one or start one. And just reading the Word of God, discussing the Word of God, and seeking to apply the Word of God to all areas of life can really help. And if a person wants some uh, notes to help, they can go on to um, my sermon audio, Peter Hammond's sermon audio page. I've got a sermon on every book in the Bible. I sought to summarize every book in the Bible in one sermon, although sometimes I needed two. In the case of the Psalms, I needed five. But I... I preached to every book of the Bible, summarizing each book, and then they became chapters in these books, Old Testament Survey, New Testament Survey. But if you go on to livingstonfellowship.co.za, you will see articles in each book of the Bible, and you will see, you can click on the audio, in some cases, even the video, on, like some of the books of the Bible, I produced videos on, like Genesis and Exodus and Judges, Acts and Mark. Um, uh, we've gotten quite a few books that we've given lectures on and produced videos of as well. That's PowerPoint screen captures. And um, I think these are some useful things you can use. We also set up a website, www.reformationsa.org. SA standing for South Africa. So reformationsa.org website. You'll find a lot of articles on the great reformers and on how the Reformation changed the world and the church and science, education, entertainment, news media, and so much more. And, uh, you'll find audios and videos and PowerPoints and books, including um, the Power of Prayer Handbook and uh, How to Reform Your Family and Biblical Principles for Africa. And these are just some of the things that have come out of our Reformation Society. For the last 18 years, I've been meeting every Thursday night um, as a Reformation Society, um, gathering people together to focus on the doctrines and the characters and the events of the Reformation. And so we've got a a real wealth of audios and videos and PowerPoints that have been produced from all of these lectures through the years. Some people use them at their uh, home cell groups. Others screen them at their church Sunday school. And uh, we've had the opportunity of producing a lot of well-researched materials to get people excited about the Reformation. And so there's a lot of information and inspiration available there. So visit the ReformationSA.org website or the Frontline Mission SA.org website, but my sermons, including the summaries of every book in the Bible, the Bible surveys on livingstonfellowship.co.za. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we'll um, put that up on our website also. Uh, today we've been talking with Dr. Peter Hammond, and he is founder and director of Frontline Fellowship. Um, it's a ministry in South Africa, and Peter's ministered to many countries uh, in the continent of Africa. Uh, Peter, one more time, a couple of references if people want to look you up and uh, seek out some of your resources. One more time. Yes, so my personal email is peter, P-E-T-E-R, at frontline, F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E, 
www.org.za. Peter at frontline.org.za. That's my personal email. You'll find my sermons on livingstonfellowship.co.za. Livingstonfellowship.co.za. That's got the Bible surveys and sermons in audio or or in um, uh, article format. And then uh, our mission is frontlinemissionsa.org. And we're just reading Bibles by the thousands. In fact, we've just read hundreds of thousands of Bibles already and millions of gospel booklets in over 100 languages throughout Africa, about 100 tons a year. And uh, Literature for Africa is the name of our, our literature ministry. If you go onto social media, you'll find our Literature for Africa. That's a literature with a number four, Africa, and Frontline Fellowship and myself, personally, Peter Hammond. You'll find our uh, Facebook page on Reformation. Reformation 500 uh, is the name of the Facebook page. Reformation 500 and our Reformation website, reformationsa.org. So a lot we'll find of, a lot of resources there. A lot of information there. One more reference, um, the Livingston Fellowship. Could you slowly say that reference again? Yes, so David Livingston being the greatest friend and um, missionary in, South, in Africa's history, our mission headquarters is called Livingston House. And so we've launched Livingston Fellowship, and the preaching through every book in the Bible was done in the name of Livingston Fellowship. And so the the Old Testament survey, New Testament survey books, which are also available as e-books or print-on-demand, mm. um, are in name of Livingston Fellowship. So if you go on to www.livingstonfellowship.co.za or ZA website, that's where you'll find the Bible survey, either audio or article format. Oh, that's great. Our guest has been Dr. Peter Hammond, our dear friend in South Africa. Peter, thank you so much for joining us here at the last minute, and you accommodated us, and may God bless your study this evening, and the Lord be with you. Thank you so much, and God bless America. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.